thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. In episode 139 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Tammy Ruse. In today's episode, you will learn the difference between meditation and mindfulness, plus the key research supporting the health benefits of developing a daily practice. We discuss resilience, athletes, how meditation is essential to your exercise recovery, and so much more. You will literally be jumping at the opportunity to meditate after listening to Tammy. Hi, Tammy, and welcome to the show. Hi, Seth. Thank you for having me. Really interested to chat with you today. So I'd love to set the scene for our listeners just with a bit of background information about yourself and certainly what life looks like now for you. Absolutely. Well, I guess obviously I'm, I'm talking today with you um, a fair bit about meditation. And so my background on that was um, I came from the United States, from California, before I moved to Sydney in 1995, actually. And my background was international management. I had um, studied in Spain. I would traveled a fair bit, but it was definitely about the international um, business scene. And um, it wasn't until about 1999 that I went off and I did a primordial sound meditation, um, a weekend course. And it was from the results that I started experiencing based on that weekend that I did, for want of a better word, a complete and utter career path change. Um, I became so passionate about the benefits that I started experiencing in my own life um, that I decided this was what I was incredibly passionate about. So I went on and embarked on a number of different courses, but I guess the culmination was getting my PhD in parapsychic science, where I wrote my dissertation on meditation. And I wrote about the benefits to the mental, spiritual, emotional um, bodies, so in the physical body. So just all the different components that meditation does for an individual that seeks or decides to engage in this practice. Um, so I did that began teaching myself um, in the house privately with some friends. Then that word of mouth led to working with corporates, et cetera. So I've been doing that since 2003. I do a lot of um, public speaking now on meditation, um, wellness, and really the, the benefits to the entire person. So that's where I'm at now. Very exciting and definitely, obviously, you've studied it at a very high level, so we're really looking forward to learning um, more from you. So I definitely want to talk to, you know, everyone that listens to the show, um, especially to start with, and then we can kind of weave our way to little niches and talk about what you're doing yourself with athletes and your husband. But firstly, I just wanted to... Uh, speak to those that might not be across 
meditation and may have heard of the more sort of vogue term that we hear these days, which is mindfulness. So how do you define each and how do you separate the two, if you do? No, um, great question, Steph. I'm really happy you've begun with that because I'm sure that there is some of your listeners that maybe have not practiced meditation and aren't exactly sure what it is. So I'll start with that first and foremost. And I've really tried to simplify what meditation is simply because there is so many misnomers or myths out there about meditation. So to make it really, really simple, I tell people it's about learning to relax the body and quiet the mind. It's a form of relaxation. And that's a definition that I actually um, have written a lot about. And I, I wrote a book, um, my second book, which um, and it's a, it's a book called The Gift Presence to Power. And in that book, I define and go through the different different levels, uh, almost, um, you know, each chapter leads into the next. And what, what I really try to distinguish for people is just how easy meditation is to practice, mm-hmm. that any man, woman, or child can actually learn meditation. I think what's really important to understand is that it's a cumulative practice, which means, especially in this fast age world we're in, Steph, where people are so looking for a fix, I'm sorry, a quick fix, um, that it's something that's cumulative. So you can't practice on a Monday and feel like or even experience the same benefits on the Friday if you haven't done it. So it's cumulative. It's it's no different than um, as a lot of your audiences. If you're training for the next event, you've got to put in you've got to put in the time to do this. And yeah, I say to people, it's like learning a foreign language or learning to play a musical instrument or again, you know, like going and competing. You have to put the time in. So once you know that it's a cumulative practice, I think that's that's really first and foremost incredibly important. And the other thing is that you'll always have thoughts. So this idea that unfortunately is kind of swirled around in the ethers and, and people say is, oh, you know, you arm out, you go to this state of bliss. That's not exactly an accurate description of meditation. It's more about learning to quiet the mind, as I said in my description, and also understanding, and this is a factual bit here, so I'll try to, you know, try to give your audience some facts that back this up as well. The average human being has 70,000 thoughts a day. So if you start comprehending that and you start counting the number of thoughts that the average human being has, and you go, oh my gosh, one, two, three, and I'm going up to 70,000, that's a bit overwhelming. So what you're learning to do, because most of us have never been taught, is to, to almost build mind muscles. And so you're learning to slow down the number of thoughts. So, so once you do that, then, and the second half of your question was about leading into what mindfulness is. I don't believe, and there's a, a very big debate going on in many circles um, within the industry at the moment with a lot of different people who call themselves experts or masters in the field. Um, it's very hard to be mindful because to be mindful means you have to be aware of what you need to be aware of in that moment to then have the proper response. If you haven't been meditating and quieting the mind, it's very hard to be mindful of what's required in that moment. Do you follow that? So it's like that meditation practice by quieting the mind and going to a place of stillness. And again, I want to reiterate, it doesn't mean that you'll have no thoughts, but it's learning to control the amount of thoughts and and taking a pause or 
you know, I tell people it's like a reprieve. You're just hitting this, this button that just paused for a minute because we are at the moment just on 24 seven. And it's amazingly important to our, um, mental well-being, but also physically, emotionally, and spiritually as well. It's so important to hit this pause button. And when you do that, and the more that you do it, then you can become mindful, which again, as I said, is knowing what to do in that moment, like knowing what is required. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really great definition because you've also broken down a lot of the myths that I'm sure you're very familiar with in this space. You know, people are often, you know, I can't meditate because I have a monkey mind, you know, like they're singled out. (laughs) Absolutely. When, you know, obviously all of us do and it's the degree that we control it um, as to whether, you know, it's a powerful tool or, or quite a hindrance. Do you agree? 100%. And, and I've heard that, you know, obviously, since I've been teaching now and practicing myself for nearly 19 years, I've heard that all the time that, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not someone who can sit and be still. I'm not, you know, my mind, I can't turn it off. But to be perfectly honest, and with no, you know, this is not a judgment call. It's just that you've just the person who's saying that has just made the decision that it's not a priority for them. So that's fine. What I'm what I'm saying is that like anyone can learn to meditate though, but you have to put the practice in. So if it's if it's something that you really want to engage in and you want to experience the benefits, then it is actually rather easy. But what you have to do is make that conscious yes. So you have to decide that it's important to you, just like your diet or exercise or getting enough sleep or drinking enough water, you have to make a decision that to look after the mental side of your well-being is as important to you. But when I say that, what people, most people don't understand, and I almost wish your viewers could see my hands because I'm making a triangle with my hands at the moment between my fingers. Um, if, if, if you can think of it as, as the triangle, like I'm saying right now, like this isosceles triangle, if you have one side of your triangle that's out of whack, it impacts the other two sides. Do you follow? Mm-hmm. So if you if, if mentally and emotionally you're really stressed, then the other side of your triangle gets impacted physically. You know, a lot of people say, I'm not feeling great or, or this is happening. But if you tend to look, you would, you, most times you'll understand that one side of that triangle is out of balance. Yeah, I completely agree. Really interesting. And, you know, I like some of the analogies that you use there because a lot of our listeners are so good at exercising their physical body. They would do it every day, you know, if not twice a day. And they, you know, it's really common for them not to acknowledge that their mental body or however you call it, um, does, you know, needs the same amount of input or prioritization. So it's quite fascinating that you say that because I think it's really important that we acknowledge that there is that really important part that's often neglected but has huge flow-on effects to all the other areas. 100%. And, and even the way that you just described it is so, I mean, it's fantastic. And, and the fact that I've worked with professional athletes for a number of years, what I've found what's so amazing is that it's actually because they they actually tend to be dedicated as it is in terms of they've got, you know, they've got the um, persistence down and they've got the, they, they know that there's a sacrifice involved to be at that level of the game. But it also means that they understand the power of getting the mind right, just the importance of that. And what I found when I've worked with a lot of people is they say, um, 
you know, look, but when I go for a run, that's when I meditate or, um, you know, I'm out on the bike. That's when I meditate or I'm out for my swim. That's my meditation. And I, you know what, and that's absolutely fantastic. And that's, there's not a problem. So what I'm talking about though, is giving the mind a reprieve. It's very different because when you're out for that run, your brain, your mind is still telling the body, breathe. You know, it's getting oxygen to the muscles, the blood's flowing. You're actually taking in so many different stimulus. So, you know, you're dodging the pebble in the path or you're stepping over a root as you run or, you know, obviously you're out there for swimming, you're, you're judging the currents or the next wave. Do you follow? So your mind is not getting a rest. I also want to clarify because most people think that when they sleep, that that's when their mind is getting a rest. And that's actually another one of the big misnomers because it's not. When you sleep, the average human being has five to seven dreams a night, whether or not you remember them. Okay, so regardless if you have the memory or not, you're dreaming five to seven dreams a night. And I like to explain it to people. It's, it's, you know, when you go to sleep at night and sometimes you have that sleep where you go, I've tossed and turned, I woke up, I do not feel rested. I feel like I need to still sleep another two hours. That's because the mind is so busy downloading so much. It is so busy. You, you can't get to that state where you have that deep relaxation if, if you understand that in terms of your mind is so full, you might've had a really, really busy day and you go to bed at night and you're just telling yourself to go to sleep and your mind's still, still working. So you tend to toss and turn. I look at it as meditation is a bit like a filing cabinet. So if I've had a really busy day and even with the number of years that I've practiced, I can meditate first thing in the morning, which is my that's my normal. That is my habit. But oftentimes I'll meditate again before I go to sleep at night because I understand for me, it's like my filing cabinet. I'm filing away all these thoughts so that I can have a deeper, more restful sleep. Yeah. And it's 70,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. Like Obviously that's huge. I had no idea of that stat. So it really does show firstly the importance. And as you say, it's that that accumulative nature. So doing it once a week, unfortunately, is not enough. Um, I wanted to just jump back actually for a second because um, I know that you've obviously been doing it for some time now, but can you maybe share what your experience was when you first started? Because I think, you know, what people struggle with is that initial 30 days or six weeks where it's really formative? Yeah. Okay. No, good question. Um, so if I go back to when I began um, this practice and to learn how to meditate and all of that, I actually did not know. So I had one advantage. I really, you got to remember this was 1999. So not a lot of people were having this conversation, which is so much more relevant today about meditation, mindfulness, or, you know, um, the power of personal development and self-awareness, et cetera. So I went off to this weekend workshop and I had one advantage again, like I'm saying here, I really didn't know a lot about it. So that meant my expectations were almost nothing. I just thought I've got nothing to lose. And what I realized straight away that first weekend was I didn't know what it meant to be still. <laughs> so I didn't know what that actually meant to sit and be in one position for 20 minutes a day. Um, and the form that I, that I learned was twice a day. So you were supposed to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes, morning and evening. And so the, my first aha was, I actually have no idea what it means to sit. 
And my second aha was um, I didn't realize. So I was probably someone where I feel meditation in a way for me was this saving grace. Once I started to practice, I knew that it was going to become my non-negotiable. Just like brushing my teeth, it was something that I embraced straight away and was very easy because I was um, a young mom. I had no family support. I'd moved from California to Sydney. My husband's a professional athlete at the time and he was traveling you know, two young kids, again, I was really burnt out and I was trying to do everything on my own and juggle the house, um, not have really that, that base, I guess that most people have when they're starting young family. Um, it just wasn't there for me. So meditation became, as I said, this saving grace and the experiences that I started having were that I was much more patient, that I felt like I had a lot more energy that I definitely didn't experience as much stress or anxiety because I was burnt out, but I didn't know it. So it wasn't like I was someone who was, you know, I, I was really healthy. I, you know, I exercised every day. Um, I had a good diet. That wasn't an issue. I obviously had a great husband, loved my children, but what I wasn't looking after was that really important side of my well-being, which was the mind and the link to even just, um, in terms of just, I guess, the spiritual side of us, which is just having that relationship with with me, with Tammy, remembering who I was. So rather than always searching outside myself, it started this real awareness of having a relationship with who I was. And the changes, you know, it was it was people around me that started noticing the changes in me. And it was it was really powerful stuff because three months into it, I just remember a neighbor stopping me in the street saying, What are you doing? You just seem so different. And at the time, I thought, I have no idea what she's talking about. And I'm saying nothing. You know, I'm still doing my same thing, the same routine. I run every day. I've got the kids. I do this, you know. And she actually said, no, you're really calm and you actually kind of look like you're glowing. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, my gosh, was I a mom who was shrilling, yelling at her kids and my neighbor could hear me. I was really taken back by that. But then I went, wow. That's what the teacher said that first weekend. I might not be noticing the changes within me, but it'll be when someone else starts saying stuff or others recognize it outside of, you know, your circle that you'll know it's working. And so as soon as she said it and the penny dropped, I said, this is so powerful. Like I, I knew I was feeling better, but the fact that someone else started noticing the differences within me. And as I mentioned early on, it was, it was others then asking me, please, would I begin to teach whatever I had learned because I had changed so much. Wow, that's so cool. And hopefully it gives um, the newbie, shall we say, a little bit of hope that, you know, it is a process, but obviously the benefits are so huge. I just wanted to touch on, you, you mentioned physical, emotional, spiritual, you say it like do you refer to that as like the triangle that you mentioned? And can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by those terms? Absolutely. Well, I mean, look, again, I'm, I'm giving away my age here, but I'm 51 now. And when I was, you know, growing up in the States and I've spoken, I've, I've taught a lot of people in Australia and, and I don't think it was really any different. And to be honest, it hasn't really changed until the last 10 years. But when we're young, most people were taught about, you know, the three food groups, get enough exercise, get enough sleep and drink your drinking plenty of water. Okay. So that was kind of like what we were told growing up. And no one had this idea about how important 
It was to train the mind, to look after the mind and give it a reprieve. It's almost like, Steph, when you go to a movie and you're sitting in the theater and you're watching this, you're watching this movie and you're so engrossed in the movie, you forget there's a projector behind you putting that image out in front of you and the sound and the rest of it. And that's what our mind is doing for us every day. Okay. So if you think of it that way, it's a really powerful analogy to go, wow, because we don't tell ourselves to breathe. We don't tell our heart to pump. We're not, but there's some amazing innate wisdom within us that's taking care of all of this for us. And, you know, and it's, and it's this mental side of us. So it's, it's, when we start training it, what happens? And I think the only way I can really answer it, and I do have to take a backward step um, in a way, is to talk about some of the key benefits. And this might highlight for your for the audience a bit um, a bit better with more clarity about what it does. So the first and foremost, meditation reduces stress and anxiety. All right. So. And if we're feeling stressed and we're feeling anxious, you, you know what that's like. You, you tend to be a shallow breather. You can see people that just only like, you know, they breathe within just the top half of their chest and their shoulders are crunched because they're feeling stressed and anxious. Now, the number one um, precursor to poor communication is stress levels. So if you're fe- so if you're feeling stressed all the time, it means that some of your personal relationships might not be, um, I guess, you know, the best they could be. But if you're feeling less stressed and less anxiety, then personal relationships actually start to improve. Your um, And everything that I'm talking about now, this has all been scientifically validated around the world in more than 33 countries. And there's been like over 900, 900 research and review papers written on this. So it works. The other thing mm-hmm. is that your clarity of thinking is enhanced. So when you meditate, the left and right hemisphere of your brain becomes coordinated. So that means that left side of your brain, the analytical thinking side of your brain becomes coordinated with the right side of the brain, which is uh, the creative, intuitive, um, softer side, so to speak. So masculine and feminine, and you create a bridge. When that happens, people report having these experiences of just clarity, focus is increased, you feel sharper, okay? So your energy levels are increased. Procrastination tends to lessen because your left and right side of your brain is so coordinated, you know what's a priority versus what's not. So you tend to procrastinate less. Time is used more efficiently and effectively, okay? So everything that I'm talking about, these again are all scientifically validated. So if you're using your time effectively and efficiently, you get more done in your day. So you can see how when you go back to asking me about the triangle, so physically, if you're experiencing less stress and less anxiety, what they show is your blood pressure goes down, your heart rate goes down, that resting heart rate, okay? You start even affecting the fight or flight response in people. So the parasympathetic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system, you shift out of fight or flight. So you relax naturally without drugs. Okay. So it's a natural response. So you bring your body back to this optimal level. All right. Your sleep patterns are improved. The more that you meditate, you have that relaxed state, but heightened awareness. So the energy levels go up, your immune system is enhanced. So all of these things start having this cumulative effect and if, if you're feeling so much better within yourself and your personal relationships are enhanced and you're using your time effectively, you're getting done what you need to get done, what you find is that 
emotionally as well, okay, you start, um, instead of being as reactionary, okay, because this is one of the big benefits of meditation, you're able to, to, to be in a place where you can respond, which is what we talked about initially about being mindful. So you're less emotionally reactive the longer that you meditate. Is that making sense for you? So you've got this idea of, I have more control than I ever thought I had, if that makes sense. Like I'm very powerful. So what I'm thinking, I'm creating. And if the audience understands, you cannot have an emotional response unless a thought precedes it. So you can't get angry unless there was a thought before it. Same as having those heightened levels of happiness. You had to have had a thought before that to have the emotional response. Do you follow that? Yeah, absolutely. And so powerful. Like I don't know how anyone could choose not to meditate after hearing your answer to that last question because, yeah, it's the foundation of everything. And I think certainly, you know, resilience as well because you're in that emotional state where, you know, obviously things are really, really positive. But um, can you talk to us more about resilience and what your experience is um, for people that are already practicing? Absolutely. Look, resilience is so linked to the emotional state of being, okay? So if you're feeling less emotionally reactive and you know that you've got this strength internally, all right, that your mind, so I, I kind of call it the untrained mind versus the trained mind, all right? The untrained mind panics. It wants to flee. It wants to retreat. It wants to go to safety. It doesn't want to be embarrassed. It feels vulnerable. It's, you know, it's all the things that we don't like when we're, when we're being bombarded with a situation where we, we feel like we're overwhelmed. What happens with the trained mind is you all of a sudden you realize that, okay, it's like water off a duck's back. You go, I'm going to get through this because I'm going to be present right now in this moment. So this goes back to almost presence. When you become aware how powerful the mind is, if in this present moment, what is going on or what is happening? So you've got, you have the ability to respond in a very powerful way or a way that is more positive. Do you follow that? So, so the more that you meditate and you start training the mind and you have these um, cumulative effects to the entire well-being of your of your person. Okay, I'll call it that your well-being. Then this resilience starts building, and you realize nothing's too hard that I can't come back to this present moment and deal with this right now. So you you feel more empowered. All right, and what and what most people are starting to really look at, and in and this is an interesting fact, but in 2015, um, the UN held a summit on sustainable happiness. All right. This was in, um, and they, what they were saying is that resilience is formed such a key ingredient to being happy, but it's also, and meditation was a direct corresponding link within that, um, within that conference. So the idea that the more that we train, train ourselves to come back to having an awareness that we are more powerful than we know, that we can choose our thoughts, that we can be mindful of a response. And I'll give your audience an example because I think sometimes it helps. So if you have an important meeting that you're going to, um, about to step into, or you've got to make a sales call and you really think I've got to, I've got to, you know, clinch this deal and potentially it's something to make budget. So you're almost feeling a little bit overwhelmed, like, wow, this is the difference of when you're practicing 
the meditation and mindfulness. You can actually in that moment go, okay, I've got 10 minutes to this call before the call. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn my mobile phone off. I'm going to sit in my chair or in my office or if it's at home, I can sit on a couch and I'm going to practice 10 cycles of deep breathing to bring my awareness back to this present moment. Okay. And if I bring my awareness back to this present moment, what happens is you get that clarity, your focus increases and you feel your body relax. So it's like a physiological response. You relax by engaging in deep breathing exercises. And it could be a cycle of counting, inhaling for three, exhaling for three and doing that 10 times. You do that and you will feel your body relax and you'll feel when you do that and you're concentrating your mind starts quieting down as well. And all of a sudden, you know that it's okay, I'm going to do this. So there's this direct correlation to how powerful and how confident you feel. Um, Your creativity levels increase. All of this happens with this practice. But what really it's showing you is that you're more resilient than you ever thought you were and that you'll get through this next moment without having to quit or give up or retreat. Does that make sense? Yeah, phenomenal. And it all starts with the breath. So that's a beautiful example, something really practical that everyone can start with straight away. So thank you for sharing that. I definitely want to talk to the athletes as well. Um, For those that don't know, you're actually married to Paul Ruse and a lot of our listeners are in Melbourne. So I'm sure they know who he is, an AFL premiership winning coach and a big part of the Sydney Swans. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what your experience, what you can say in terms of whether it is with your husband and, and AFL players, but, you know, certainly more globally, like how does meditation help athletes? Sure. Yep. No, it's so good. I think initially, Paul had me, I started working with the Swans back in 2003, the Sydney Swans players, because what we were recognizing was, uh, and Paul meditates as well, so he understood the benefits of, of engaging in the practice. And he understood that when your mind's not racing, you can make, you know, you can be so much more powerful in your decision making and in your responses because it's not reactive. So, when asked about, well, where, where, you know, what's the next, you know, final frontier for the athlete, we already knew, look, they do everything physically in terms of the training is there. You've got sports and conditioning coaches, you've got dietitians, you know, you've got the, um, the sports psychologist, you've got so many people helping them in so many areas of the game. But the one thing that is still untapped is the power of the mind. And we were both aware that a lot of the different countries around the world were engaging their Olympic athletes with meditation and mindfulness and starting to train them. Very well known as well was looking at um, the Chicago Bulls and the Lakers when you had Phil uh, Phil Jackson um, who introduced meditation to his teams and went on to be champions, you know, year after year. And those were those are just a couple examples, but there's so many professional athletes that when you start doing the research. A lot of professional surfers engage in meditation because it's about being in the moment and and knowing how powerful that platform is of your mind. So we were really aware that this was something that was untouched. But the other thing about for an athlete, what's so incredibly powerful about meditation is it aids in the recovery. And it aids in the recovery in two ways. And the number one thing that most people talk about for an athlete, especially 
an Australian rules football player is, you know, they go out there in that fight or flight. It's like a battle on the day. It's incredibly hard for them to come down naturally after a game in a short space of time to then get a good night's sleep. So if you're playing in the evening and you finish at 1040 at night and then you still have to have, you know, you might have an ice bath and you've got, you know, showers and just just relax. You're doing all the, the normal things, the protocol after a game. You might not even be ready to, you know, getting home until 12, 1230 at night. But then to try to go to sleep, what a lot of the players were saying is it could be 3 a.m. before they can actually get to sleep. But they've got to be back at recovery at 9 a.m. So that's not exactly good because everyone knows about the benefit of getting that solid hours of sleep. So when what our players started noticing is that if they meditated before going to when they got home after a game, they were able to relax and they were able to go to sleep a lot sooner, which then aided with the recovery. The other thing that happens for athletes is that so much of it's down to split decision-making. So if they've meditated before the game, and um, we really went into visualization as well, especially with the Melbourne Demons players, um, about seeing how they wanted the game to play out, that they were able to, um, knowing that we're talking about, you know, tenths of seconds. And I, and I remember reading something on the U.S. Olympic team and the Russian Olympic team. When you're talking about athletes that are trying to run a 100 or a 400 meter, you know, race, and you're talking about tenths of seconds, how different that is, um, you know, to winning and, and, and losing for them. And it's what they work their whole their whole life towards. It's it's really powerful to get the mind in a space that's working at that optimal level where you've got that clarity, you can make the decision. It's almost, you know, it's, it's that idea that everything slows down around you, but you're, you're aware of everything. If that makes sense, it's this expanded perception that you have. So we worked a lot with the players about, um, I used to call it reset and it, it's so powerful because reset and it became almost like their, their so-called trigger word was about bring yourself back to the moment. Okay, so I'm referring to that to an AFL game because you have an opportunity to do that. Now in a race, it, it, that this this wouldn't wouldn't apply to a hundred yard you know or a hundred meter um, sprint, but in a game of AFL where you've got four quarters of football, what it was about was okay if you've made a mistake, you've turned the ball over or you've missed that shot at goal, don't hang on to that. Bring yourself back to the present moment. So reset. And that was a really strong, you know, if, if you were the back line and they just kicked a goal against you, reset. So bring yourself back to this moment because you still possibly have 15 minutes left in the quarter to play your role and, and play and have, sorry, a positive impact on your team's result. Does that make sense? So it's like, so it was teaching them to understand the power of the mind and what's what's so important again is just that idea of, of present moment. Um, the Dalai Lama said, if you're someone who lives in the past, that leads towards depression because you're reliving things that you cannot change. The flip side of that is if you're someone who's always worried about the next thing, next week, next month, next year, then you tend to be anxious and suffer anxiety. So it's those that are in the present moment because the present moment is where everything is happening right now. It's the only moment you truly have is in the, is, is this moment and you have an ability to impact positively and sometimes negatively what the next thing is based on where your mind is at. Yeah, phenomenal. And I do often think that when I watch 
AFL, like they might kick for goal and they, you know, flank it out into the crowd and they're booed and, you know, it would be really stressful. But how they then get back out there and get into the next play, and it applies to all of us in, you know, even outside an athletic endeavour, obviously, that it is that that present moment awareness. But I love what you say about recovery because that's the foundation of performance, as we know. But the performance is so sympathetic, dominant and, you know, high cortisol, high adrenaline, all of these factors that make things like muscle recovery, sleep, you know, basically um, not possible at that point in time. So such an amazing practice that I'm sure is often neglected. um, But I think when someone like an athlete can really acknowledge what the function is, they can then start to prioritize it more. 100%. And it it is like you're saying too, I like the word that you just used about prioritize. And going back to what I um, said earlier on, you know, it's about that conscious yes. So you have to decide that this is really, that my mind is as important and is so powerful in, in, you know, literally in every area of our life. It's like, if we get this right, wow, you know, it's just, we, we can just have so many more, um, um, positive experiences, but also it's just about bringing balance into your life. I mean, unfortunately, World Health Organizations identified that by the year 2020, the single greatest cause to the governments worldwide is going to be the mental health um, issues. Um, anxiety, depression, suicide rate is escalating, and everyone's very aware of this at the moment. So what that tells me is someone who's got um, who teaches in this and has the and and has the understanding of how powerful the mind is? We're not meant to be on twenty four seven. We're not meant to not have a break. And I think that we're expecting all of us. I think we're all kind of falling into a trap of being superwoman and super superman. And you know what? That's a myth. <laughs> None of us can operate that way. We cannot be the best spouse, the best the best husband, the best boyfriend, the best, you know, friend, the best colleague, the best brother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, none of us, or in flip side, that's for a female as well. We're just not, it's just not how it's supposed to be. And somehow we've fallen into a trap of feeling like we have to run at that type of a level. And when you look at what's happened, you know, with the advent of the internet and, and technology, which is incredible, Obviously, look at us right now. We're, you know, we're having this session right now and we're not in the same room together. It's pretty amazing. But what's happened is we've got instant messaging and social media has become so big. We've got Facebook. We've got our emails, our, our iPhones. We're, we're falling into this trap of just never, ever giving ourselves permission is one or allowing ourselves just to calm down and just to turn it off. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's obviously, as you say, it's got those amazing benefits, but it does have a suite of negatives. I think with phones being attached to us 24-7, you know, we get this tiny space of time and we're on Instagram or on emails and we fill every single gap and it's a big part of the problem. It's a huge part, Steph, and I think the thing that's such a concern for me, especially because we've got a um, a 21 and a 23 year old is just watching what they're going through in their lives and watching what the expectations are of, 
of the kids coming through the ranks, um, just this this idea about the likes and, and being on. And then, you know, you got to do this for your business and you got to put another post out. And it can be an incredibly stressful um, situation because you feel like the, the work with social media, sometimes it feels like it's never going to end. <laughs> and technically it's not supposed to. You're supposed to, you know, so that's where you have to get, okay, okay, what is most important right now? Like get your priorities right. It's like, you know what? We, sometimes, you know, it's like when's enough enough. You've, you've got to learn to pull back and go, I count I'm worth it. My mind is so, my gosh, my mind is so, so, so important to how I function, how much happiness I'm going to experience that I'm going to give it a time out. Like I, I honestly, you know, most of your um, listeners I would have thought have heard of Deepak Chopra. So I don't want to assume, but he's considered, um, you know, the, he was a medical doctor and, and probably is almost, you know, is the one recognized as bringing meditation to the West, so to speak. And making it, you know, a, a, a conversation. And he said um, years ago, I remember reading. He said it's the number one most important thing that anyone can do for their health and well-being is to learn to meditate. And I couldn't agree more with um, having done this for for the number of years that I do. And I can honestly tell you stuff that the more that you do this, you start noticing how well your day goes if you have or haven't meditated <laughs> and you go, I cannot believe I've waited till four o'clock today. My day just did not go as smoothly as it did yesterday when I meditated first thing in the morning. And that is how powerful it becomes. It is such a tool to just give yourself this space, internal spaces like, you know, where if you think of an ocean with all these waves, and some of your viewers might have seen an image before, there's all these waves, but then you look below it and you see the stillness below the waves. That's what meditation is. It's like slowing down that 70,000 thoughts that's on the top, which is all the waves. And hopefully it's not white caps and you've got 75,000 thoughts going. And it's like you slow it down and you dip below the surface to where the stillness is. And in that stillness, you know that there's strength there as well, that you are really powerful. Yeah, beautiful. Love it. So fascinating. I love this area of health and I think we'll see more and more amazing things happening in this space. I'd love for you to direct us to a little bit more information about like your online home and I know that you've got some audio products and some books I'd love to hear more about. Well, thank you. Well, the um, I'm actually about to launch an online course, which I really think is going to be, and again, this goes back to what you and I are talking about. Everyone is so busy these days. And so I've created a program that's got, it's a six-week program and you get six different professionally um, guided meditations. That It's my voice um, and I'm guiding you through in the meditation. So it's a different one, but what corresponds with that is you get six different audios each week. So it's about different topics, but it delves deeper than obviously our conversation today. Um, and then you get reminders during the week. Um, my book presence to power is also included. So you have this, it's almost like this sum total package that's coming and we're hoping to have that online and ready to go in the next month, which will be just fantastic. It's I've been working very hard on getting this done so it's really a course where you will 
um, get the help that you need, but you can do it in your own time frame. So uh, I see, you know, I've, I've got, I've got people doing the course at the moment um, that I've been working with different clients and they love the fact that they could do it if they're listening to the audio, if they're in the car or they've, you know, they're sitting on a plane and they're going someplace. So it works with our, I guess, our busy schedules. And I wanted to make this something that you don't, there's no excuse why you can't engage in the practice. You can, and because you've got it and you've got these six different meditations which are from um, the initial one, which is the gift um, to deep relaxation, to reconnecting to your heart, to trusting the wisdom within, love is the all, and sanctuary. Those are the six meditations that you can actually really pick and choose, you know, for life, what meditation you want to work with. And the other thing that I guess a lot of people find um, initially challenging is the idea that if I'm going to meditate, what if I fall asleep or what if I, you know, what if I go over time and I didn't really have the time to go for as long as, you know, the, the beauty of having a guided meditation is it's actually on a time frame. So, it, you know, you've got a 10 minute option or a 20 minute option. So you can actually go, well, I've got, I've only got 10 minutes today. So I'm going to listen to the gift. And that's the meditation I'm doing today. If I have 20 minutes, you know, today, it feels like reconnecting with my heart is the, the meditation I want to do. So, I've hopefully, again, based on my years of, of this practice and working with clients, I'm hoping that this sum total package is there. And, you know, and we're working around as well the opportunity to engage with me, um, you know, via like live chats um, once a month, that type of thing, where I can answer questions. So I'm excited about the possibilities and where it's headed, but I do feel that this is number one, one of the most important things that any of us can do. Yeah, amazing. Can't wait to hear more about your online course. Um, and your website is? Yes, yes it's www.tammyruse.com. And so that will link us through. You will see um, it will come up. Paul and I have are actually in the moment um, developing more of our, uh, as a lot of the Melbourneian people would know, Paul's retired from coaching and We've really been focused on developing a company that works on leadership, wellness, and balance. So we've been working with a lot of corporates and going in and, and having that discussion with them about how this works and, and what it translates. So when you go onto my website, you will see uh, Paul there as well in some of the different things that we're offering. So um, it is that link that's there for both of it. Amazing. So I'll pop all those links in the show notes as well as um, I know you guys have got a book together and you've been referring to the gift, your book, obviously. Yes. Paul and my, our book was Sport is Life, Life is Sport. And that was really around the leadership, family, mentoring. Um, yeah. So again, I think pretty much everything that Paul and I've been um, working on is really just, you know, we, we try to um, walk the walk and talk the talk, if that makes sense. It is, it is what we, what we do on a day to day basis. And we try, you know, the best we're not, again, we are not saying that we are, um, so-called, you know, experts or perfect in anything. What we're saying is this is what's worked for us. And this is what we found has been really helpful. And I, I know, um, you know, to be honest, I would not be the person I am today if I hadn't, um, engaged in a meditation practice because you work through a lot of different things and it's it's fantastic 
Yeah, so, so powerful. And I've been enthralled in our conversation today. I could talk to you for hours, but I I really appreciated your time today, Tammy. And for the listeners, please do head to the show notes to find out more and definitely stay in touch um, so that we can all learn more when your course and future projects are announced. Thank you so much, Steph. I appreciate it and well done. Love your program. Thanks so much. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.